we are live from the empire of lies and just outside the matrix. It's time for the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm Elise Strahan, and this is Backstory. It is a Carmine Monday, and Carmine Xavier is in the house. Correct, Carmine? He is. How you doing? You know what, man? Hanging in there, brother. Doing pretty good. Good. Hanging in there is pretty good. How's the weather in Jersey, by the way? Hot. I mean, got warm day. since in the 50s, man. Yeah, it, it's it's the same weather we have been in the 60s in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's why I asked. So really? So Sioux Falls is, yeah. It's gorgeous spring weather. It is. That'll happen. But the thing that's weird about Sioux Falls is you could get snow next week. You see what I'm saying? Well, see, and I'd rather so, have snow right now. I don't like the spring weather, man. Really? Yep, give me the snow. Well, you belong in Sioux Falls. We had a great <laughs> show today from London, Ian Schilling. Friend of the show. Great common sense and educated analysis from Ian Schilling in the first hour. In the second hour, the great Manil Chan, who filled in for me when I was in the hospital. And we're taking your calls, 202. 521-1320. And Carmine, do the honors. This is the backstory. Very enthusiastic, Carmine. Now <laughs> let me let me ask you. It's good to talk to you, brother. Uh hey man, good to see you. how you feeling, man? Well, you know, I'm better every day. Let me well, put it like that. Me. Right. As well, opposed to worse or every day. But yes. I'm better every day, but not as better as I hope to be. Does that make sense? Well, you're murdering English right now, so that's, you know. Yeah. Wait, wait. What? I'm what? <laughs> you're murdering English. So. Uh, you're feeling... Do you mean that in a bad way? or? Yeah, you're murdering the English language. You're worse, not as better. Okay. Okay, but that's intentional. I know, I know. It's a joke. Okay, good. I want to make sure my my pronunciation wasn't so bad. But I'm glad I was killing the language. (laughs) No, I'm just I'm playing along with your joke. Now, we said we talked about the weather in Jersey and near in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But you know, it's that time of year again. The mask mandates are blooming. Have you seen that Philly, the home of Rod, our producer, Philly has reinstituted an indoor mask mandate? Yeah, I did see that uh, actually a few minutes ago. Now, what is going on with that? Is this just, is there a new variant that I'm not aware of? Or do they just. There's been like a slight they, uptick in cases, man. I mean, look. It's scary. I am. Listen, you know me. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. I'm going to get my other booster because I had a Johnson and Johnson first. So I'm going to get my other booster. I take it very seriously. I wear my mask when I greet people because I'm home 98 percent of the time. So. For me to put a mask on for a minute means nothing. Okay, here's the issue. At a certain point, Lee. Either you're going to say, look, 
we're going to wear masks for the rest of forever. Or you're going to say, look, we have to get back to normal life and mitigate your risks. As Fauci said this week, you know, make your own decisions, which we said two years ago, but that's, I digress. Um, I have so many problems with all of this right now, but anytime you enter a liberal city, a liberal state, you're going to get the liberal rules. They love to drop the hammer down. I'm, I'm telling you now, they're getting prepared. Fauci said, oh, expect a surge in the fall. I said, yeah, right in time for the elections. They're getting ready for it. Already I'm hearing stories just today before you called me, you know, uh, Putin's getting ready to interfere in the next elections. I'm like, wow, Putin's a really busy guy. He's the boogeyman right. for everything. He's super busy. And so, I mean, I see that, as you see, the mask mandates creep back. Shanghai is on full lockdown. They have a zero COVID policy. Um, I wish we could get to zero COVID. I wish it would stop. Um, you know, but the hospitalizations and the deaths are down. These are good things. And I mean, hell, you, you can get struck by lightning, too. I mean, what are you going to do? I don't know. Do you stop? Do we leave the planet? Do we leave the planet? What do we do? The masks ain't saving nobody. I mean, not to tip unless you're wearing N95s, that piece of cloth you put on your face is is security theater. That's all it is. It's theater. You believe it's doing something, but it's not because the particles for COVID are smaller than the holes in that mask. Okay? It's not working. They would you see them wearing it in the hospital? That's not what they're wearing in the hospital. If those masks were working, they'd be wearing that in the hospital. You see a healthcare professional, they got real masks. Now, I don't want to be gross, but I'll be a little gross. You've surely all the other thing it is, have you ever sneezed in your mask? No, because I don't you wear it at get, all. You've never done that. When I tell you I, I I answer the door in the mask, I don't go out. I mean, so no. So let me tell you, it's not a fun experience. I, I would imagine. And and then, then you're stuck with snot right by your nose. Rod, help me out here. Rod, have you ever sneezed in your mask? Uh, I don't really, I don't really wear one like that unless I necessarily have to. But I, I have when I'm a bit sick. So uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it's it's, uh, it's nasty. Rod, tell us about your snot. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. <laughs> now, Rod, you're from Philly. Uh, how do you think this mask mandate, it's a mandate, mind you. You have to do it. It's not a suggestion. It's a mandate. How's that going to go over in Philly? Um, it's just going to add to the frustrations. Uh, I think the number one, two, and three uh, issues for most people in Philadelphia all across the city is just the violence. Uh, Sunday morning, you know, usually people go early Sunday morning, going to mass or getting ready to do whatever. You know, a lot of older people wake up early. Uh, there was four cat, four consecutive carjackings at six six o'clock in the morning. So that's on people's mind. This is just going to add to their frustrations. And, uh, something that doesn't make sense. But were the carjacking victims wearing their masks? <laughs> uh, actually, I think one of them was. Uh, not that it's funny, but I think one of them actually was. And the other problem is, if you sneeze in Philly in your mask, you end up with a mask full of cheese whiz. Oh, boy. So I'm just saying, it's, it's troubling. Do we have a rim shot on and, this show, anybody? Do we have a rim enjoy shot? Enjoy your lunch. No, but, 
but is maybe mandated soon. Now, in other news, <laughs> let's talk about Joe Biden's political prospects. I watched a little Fox News on YouTube accidentally, and they were talking about Joe Biden's problems. And even Fox, I think, is underselling the problem. They're acting like the problem is Hunter Biden. And no, obviously, it's I think it's way beyond that. The issue is what's on the laptop, man. It's not Hunter. It's what's on the laptop. It's what's it's what's showing that his dad, who's the president of the United States right now, was taking bribes and kickbacks. That's the issue. Right. And and lying about it in the debate and going along the media, going along with the lies. And I think. What the the segment I saw on Fox, they're saying, well, it's Lund, oh, you know, my, may Hunter get indicted? I think it's a fait accompli that yeah. Hunter's going to get indicted, right? Do you, yeah, definitely. I'm beyond that. Definitely. That's that's uh, an easy one. That's a layup. That's the slam dunk. And you pointed out it's what it says about Joe Biden and his willingness to lie. I suggested that a reporter in the press briefing room at the White House should ask the question, feel free to ask if Jen Psaki, feel free to ask it if you get a question in with Joe Biden, which is an easy question. Does the president feel bad about lying to the American public during the election about his son's laptop? Because yeah. is there any doubt is there any doubt that he lied? No, it's obvious. Not just a laptop. He lied about not knowing about Hunter's business deals, and it's a, it's a blatant lie now. And everybody knows it. And I mean, I don't know. Can somebody cover this? Well, also he lied about Donald Trump. The and this is subtle, so I don't know if I can pull it off. But what? It said about Donald Trump is that Donald Trump spreads Russian disinformation. Correct. You follow you follow me? Their Correct. their lies about the, the laptop made Donald Trump look like a liar. Correct. And that was another way in which it was electioned disinformation. What do you think about that, Carmine? Oh Carmine went away, mysteriously vanished. It'll be back in one minute. But, but Rod, do you see that point that it is an insult to Donald Trump? And, it, you know, it's saying he's the kind of guy who spreads rumors and disinformation, right? No, you, you, you're right on that. Uh, the whole The whole thing from the 2020 election and the, the Hunter Biden laptop. Um, you know, like you were saying, people keep bringing up the fact that Hunter, they're trying to pin it on Hunter Biden. Like, no, that's, that's not that's not the case. And like Carmine was saying, it's what's on the laptop and supposedly, or I mean, it's almost it's almost uh, gonna be a fact soon enough, but uh, the big guy is Joe Biden. And we're gonna, and eventually we're gonna find that out to be a fact. And then, you know, after that, it's gonna be impeachment or who knows after that. In fact, they're using that as an argument 
they're still using it. I saw a clip recently of Ann Applebaum, the awful columnist, and Ann Applebaum was saying, well, I think the important thing is, what does the laptop have to do with anything? Hunter Biden's not running for president. Thanks, Ann. We didn't know that. And she's literally trying to say that what's on the Biden laptop has nothing to do with anything. And have you seen that kind of defense, Carmine? Oh, I see it all the time. On Twitter, it's the, the big story. Uh, well, Hunter's not the president. Hunter's not running president. Dude, the, the issue isn't what's on the laptop of Hunter's. <laughs> That's not the issue here. The issue is what the laptop shows, unless Hunter Biden is lying in his communications, and I don't see why he would, the issue is what Joe Biden was doing. But here's a situation I could see. I could see Hunter taking the fall for this. Yes. Because you know how it is, man. The guy, the guy at the top never gets nailed. Yeah, but I think this is, I, I predict a nailing. I predict that this is too big and too obvious. And the, actually the lie. But how big is it, Lee? Would Watergate have been big if the media just didn't cover it? See, I, I argue that's what they're saying. They were describing it as the media ignored this. That's not what happened here. The media did not ignore this. They buried There's it. There's a difference between, and they lied about it. They said it's not true. And in fact, and that untruth was spread by Russia. It's when, I'll put it like this. There were Watergate, the classic scandal to end all scandals. Watergate, there was no one in the press saying this didn't happen. This is a myth. This is Chinese disinformation or whatever. Vietnamese, maybe. But no one was doing that. In this case, they didn't ignore the story. Ignoring the story would have been great. What they did was they lied about it. And they lied about, I remember Chris Wallace stopped Donald Trump. Remember that moment? Yep, yes. During debates? Yes. He stopped Donald Trump. I remember so that. Imagine, so imagine if there was a debate today and you stopped, Joe Biden brought up the, let's say, Russia-Ukraine war. And the moderator had stopped him and said, hang on one second, there's no a war between Russia and Ukraine. It's stunning. <laughs> I don't know how Donald Trump didn't throw something. For the moderator to do that, that is serious. And of course, Chris the, Wallace, the, the referees, the referees were on the side of one team in those debates. They're supposed to be the referees, but they weren't referees. They were managers. Right. And you you know when that happens in wrestling. Yes. Danny Davis. Uh, right. Rod knows about Danny Davis. What what I don't though. What what's that? <laughs> so Danny Davis was the storyline in the eighties. Danny Davis was a professional wrestling referee in WWE. And he was making these calls that were always favoring the heels. Okay. 
So the heels were always winning matches that he refereed because he was, you know, in their favor. He was a heel referee working for the heel wrestlers until finally they suspended him, you know, in storyline, suspended him and he became a wrestler. I see. And so that's what happened. And that, that's the Danny Davis story in wrestling. And so you think he was, he was a referee that was on one side. And even in fake wrestling, you can't do that. So, but in real life, in the debates, you can do that. And they did. And I would say the guy who would be cast as a heel uh, agree with me because I think I'm right. It's clearly Donald Trump, even though the actual heel is Joe Biden. Correct. But you well, agree. If you, look Trump- back, if you look back on wrestling, okay, Hulk Hogan, right? The hero, Hulk Hogan. Well, Hulk Hogan uh, did a lot of heel moves, raking the eyes, raking the back. These were heel moves, but Hogan was the face. But he did a lot of heel moves, so, you know, they make him the face, but he's really the heel. It's kind of like Joe Biden. So what you're saying is Donald Trump does a lot of heel moves. No, I'm saying Biden does a lot of heel moves, Oh, they make him the face. Okay, the rake of gusts of truth, but— 202-521-1320. Tarif, what is on your mind? Thank you for taking my call. I got, um, first I got to say, free drill and sound. You got three points to make about one comment. And then I'm with the, um, crane situation in Avazov, um, Maripol. Um, um, Ramsey Pedros, the, um, leader of the Chechens, um, was talking about saying, was saying some interesting things was going to happen. Just going to start coming out in the next couple of days. And he also talked about his forces going to start. Some of his forces going to go to um, the Donbass region to take on the Ukrainian forces. And about the body, he was talking about that that they have people in the Avzal plant in a thirty um, a thirty meter deep bunker system. Bodies starting to stink and starting to smell. And also they had a cargo ship that was sent there over the weekend and was stopped by the Russian military. But that's not the person I'm trying to make. The last person is very important. You come to find out they might have 240 foreign fighters there underneath in that bunker, along with a total of 3,000 people of personnel of Azov Battalion, fanatics, the foreigners, NATO, and French intelligence people with uh, Metabarto, excuse me, Marlboro, um, uh lab workers, that deal with different things, dealing with the laboratory that might, that's underground. And they're trying to figure out how, how to uh, smoke them out to get them out where they're going to arrest all of them and bring them to justice, all, all 3,000 people. Eric Vidou, the leader, excuse me, the head of the French intelligence was sacked on March the 31st because he missed the opportunity to withdraw French um, uh, intelligence officers and troops out of that region, out of the Avastol plant. So he was sacked March the 31st. So the next week or so, things about to get, you know, interesting. Once they start arresting those people because they got, they got people ratting already, talking about what was going on. People was probably being experimented on in that pit. They call it the pit, the full, full pit. So they think people was experimenting on us, but we're going to see. But thank you for taking my call, Lee. Yeah, a lot of very good points, sir. Now, Carmine, have you been following this last 
stand that the Azov Battalion is making in the city of Mariupol? I have not. Oh, so it's it's kind of stunning, actually. First off, there's some amazing footage. Archie's done very good coverage. And they've m moved all the fighters. They've got them all in one area now, which is this city within a city, this mining area that's eight stories down, right? And so all the fighters are there. So one of the things is because they're not in a civilian area anymore. How do we? How do we Russian, know it's the Azov Battalion? Because uh, they, it's we, they, it's, we know who it is. It, Azov was this group that was in Mariupol, and uh, they. I think they they say who they are. I think that's why where the where the. Uh, Azov leader was talking about they've done interviews and stuff like that, like on Hannity. That's where the Azov leader was, I think. But the other thing is that there seem to be foreign fighters there. Yes. They're, they're, they're calling them mercenaries. And uh, the footage is RT was there during a report and they flew a drone over the uh, approaching the mine because they don't want to get in there but and you see explosions it's stunning it's amazing footage uh but rt's done a lot of very good coverage of that from video now they're saying that's the last stand that's everyone's saying that even the media is starting to admit this is this is it for Mariupol. And because they've got the fires sort of isolated and apart from civilians, the Russians are really letting loose with armaments in a way that they weren't when they were around civilians. Because the fighters there were using human shields. But and if you have a chance, check it out because it's quite amazing. Send me some stuff. But I was, I had this conversation with a friend of mine before because, you know, he's like, this is evil and this and that. And I said, look, I hate war too, right? We all hate war. I said, but I just don't think Putin woke, woke up one morning and said, you know, I'm going to bomb Ukraine with no reason. No. Right. No, no. Stuff was going on. Let me get to the calls because I noticed Al Keller is on. 202-521-1320, Killer of Owls, what is on your mind? Hey, uh, great show so far. Hey, Carmine, um, remember when Hulk Hogan made his major heel turn? Remember who he, what uh, group he came out with, right? NWO, sure. New World Order. And who owned, who owned uh, WCW at the time, Ted Turner? Major Ted Turner. I thought about that. I've thought about that before. Population reduction person. They people believe he's behind the uh, um, Georgia Guidestones, which he probably was. But I, I just thought that was an in, uh, interesting uh, something something to segue into. Um, I actually thought about that when the NWO first came out, and I said, "Wow, it's kind of interesting." Well, it was in the nineties when yeah, it was in the nineties when all the 
you know, you had Bill Cooper, he was coming out. You, you had, um, you know, that's when, towards the late 90s, that's when Alex Jones first started getting big. So, you know, he he was just going, a lot of people were like, hey, what's this new world order? And I think that was just like something that they were going to play up. But, um, you know, talking about... Uh, well, no, let me ask you, though, Al Killer. When, you, since you're talking about it, basically, it's a globalist conspiracy they're involving racism, right? That's essentially what it is. What did you think when the Iron Sheik was paired with George Soros, the Hungarian heel? What? <laughs> I, I don't remember that happening, Lee. I never. <laughs> okay. Well, I like to see it happen now because George is very old. He's in his 90s. So is Sheik. So, but there we go. Go ahead, Al <laughs> Keller. I had to get my joke in. <laughs> I, you, you know, this um, Drudge Report had uh, um, all, all these Ukrainian uh, soldiers cheering after they shot down a Russian drone with a British missile. You know, something I noticed, um, it just came to my attention. Uh, it's almost like with all these people that are begging for weapons to be poured into uh, Ukraine, and obviously what they want is they want Russia to attack the we the weapons being transported, and they want them to hit, you know, God forbid, a, a missile ends up in Poland or it, it kills a NATO member um, soldier while the weapons are being transported. But it's almost like a bad cornerman in a fight that just keeps sending their fighter out there when they know that they can't win. And I, I remember I told you, I told you the war was going to happen, and I told you there something did not make sense with how Russia was not just bombarding them from the air. Russia's going to do it, and you're going to see devastation. Ukraine, there's going to be nothing left standing if they don't, if the West doesn't push for peace. Because Russia has admit, Russia, they have not changed their, they, they don't want Ukraine, like they don't want to take over Ukraine. They're, they're very open with, they want it as a neutral country, and they don't, they want the idea of them ever joining NATO, like just, they want, they want it. Com they want it like completely resolved once and for all. And, you know, even it, it showed France, uh, something came out about two weeks ago, France and Germany, it was Zelensky that d did not want to give up on NATO. France and Germany were pressuring him to do it. Correct. Zelensky's going to go down as being, you know, you're cheering him as a hero. They're, he's going to go down as a villain at the end of this because he had the opportunity to make the common sense decision and he decided he wanted to. Wow. Who pushed the war? Who, who writes the history books, though, Owl? Because our media is portraying him like, uh, go back to it, Hulk Hogan. Yep. He's a superhero. Well, the, the history books, according to the cliche, as uh, the victor writes history, and he's not going to be the victor. So I don't think that'll work out well for him. And we'll talk more about that, the propaganda campaign, later in the show, Carmine. But Coming up next, Ian Schilling, live from London. We're joined by our Monday guest host, co-host, Carmine Sabia, on a Monday, Carmine Monday edition of The Backstory.
are back on the backstory and on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. Joining us now from across the pond, I hate that phrase, but I said it anyway. So, from England, our friend Ian Schilling. Hey, Ian, how are you doing today? Hey, guys. Great to be with you. I have a bone to pick with you right away, Mr. Schilling. Why? Sure. You've been on this show before with me, haven't you? Yes. And you never told me that there was a man in England named Lord Pickles. Lord Pickles? How did nobody from England tell me that there is a man who exists in England called Lord Pickles? And you're saying it's a goofy name. Yeah, you think? Go to Twitter. It's trending all over the place. Lord Pickles. That must be Eric Pickles, politician. Yes, he is. He narrowed it down. So, Ian... We're going to talk about Bojo. We'll come to that. But I want to ask first, do you follow events across the channel? Are you following political situation in France at all? Oh, yeah, definitely in France. Yes, globalist tyrant Macron is going to get installed again as French president because of the media. No, you think so? Mass-murdering psychopath Macron. Now, because Macron... he. They had an election on Sunday, but there were a bunch of candidates, and the top two go on to the second round. The top two were Macron, who had about 28%, last I saw, and Le Pen, who had about 23%. But I understand the number three candidate, all their voters are going to go for Le Pen. How do you think... Macron's going to pull it off. The media, the media will just manipulate it. It's not a proper election. They won't tell any of the truth about Macron, and they'll smear Le Pen. This is just going to be a replay of what happened the last time there was a French presidential election in 2017 or whenever it was. It's a total replay. There's going to be 100% of the corporate media backing totally corrupt globalist tyrant Macron, tell nothing of the truth about him, and he's mass-murdered tens of thousands of people in France from um, preventing, banning banning effective treatments for COVID, hydroxychloroquine, that that, um, Didier Rayot was doing in Marseille, and he was treating treating all the people in Marseille and he was, he was getting 10 times fewer deaths than the rest of France. So they banned his treatment because it wasn't interested in the interests of Big Pharma to, to let him treat people. I, I, I mean, that was the first banning of, of, the, of a successful and effective treatment. So they're not, they're not going to print that. They're not going to say that he's killed thousands of people with the vaccines and, li- and lied about it. I mean, he's, to- he's a Rothschild banker. He worked in Paris for the Rothschild Bank in Paris. They set him up. They gave. They. They. He had no experience in banking. He was. He was some sort of sub minister. It wasn't an actual minister. He was a deputy minister of economics or something in Mitterrand's government back in ten years ago or whatever. And then they gave him a cushy job, a well-paid job, paying you know about. About $200,000 a year in, as an investment banker in Rothschild, and that's how they set him up. And then the Rothschild and other oligarchs, there was about 30 oligarchs, all bankrolled Macron's presidential campaign in 2017. 
and you know the kingmaker the kingmaker in France is someone called Jacques Attali right and he organizes the oligarchs and tells them who to put their money in and he's a total globalist so he supports depopulation and whatever else all, all the globalist agenda take away everybody's rights impoverish impoverish the peasants so and he's still going he's 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 fixed the election, the last, the, the election's going back all the way to the 1980s, 30 odd years or 40 years. Now, repeat the name in case people didn't catch the name. Who's the kingmaker in France? Jacques Attali, A-T-A-L-I. Okay. Uh, and you can, you can search for his links between, between Jacques Attali and the Rothschilds and, and Macron. And they, he links between Attali and Mitterrand, and Attali and whoever was President Sarkozy, right, was one previous one. I mean, he, he was the kingmaker for everything. So, I mean, it's 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 just like in in America, right? In 2016, right, the, the whole liberal media was was all all 100% on Hillary Clinton and lying about her background all over the place. And pushing all this Russiagate scam, weren't they? And trying to trying to get tr keep Trump out, right? They so it was a t total whitewash by by the media, and it's the same th thing going to happen in France. One hundred percent, all the corporate news channels are going to be vote Macron, and Le Pen is a fascist, a Nazi, whatever. Sure, they accuse her of being a Nazi. Whereas it's Macron who's more of a Nazi and a fascist than Le Pen. Well, I agree. The, the media is, it's predictable what they're going to do. But let's remember, Donald Trump won in 2016. And I'm not sure. No, no, that was, that was only because they got complacent, didn't they? Because they were saying that Hillary Clinton is 99% chance of Hillary Clinton winning. I thought, no, it's not. It's going to be very close. It's definitely not 99%. I don't know which one's going to win. That's, this is what I was thinking in the run-up to, to 2016 elections. So it's going to be very close. Who, who wins? They're not going to take that chance because they had all their all their biased polls all saying that that Hillary Clinton was a shoo-in. Then they didn't do all the election rigging, did they? And they didn't bother with that. They they did masses of election rigging in 2020 to get Biden in because they knew that Biden would struggle to get in. I agree with what he was saying. You know. There's, they didn't think Trump had a chance, so they didn't have to do all their shenanigans in uh, in in 2016. They thought that that was a lock. But then they pulled out all the stops for Biden in 2020, didn't they? And they're going to do the same thing in the French elections, right? There's going to be there's going to be election rigging, vote manipulation, and and massive media lies throughout, right? They even lied about the exit polls of this elect the, the French first round just just this Sunday, because the exit polls had Le Pen and Macron equal on about twenty eight percent each. But then then when they did the polls afterwards, then they said that Macron had twenty eight and Le Pen had twenty four. So they they even fudged that. So it's, so the the, the uh, exit polls. For, the, for these things in France, they're usually pretty accurate. Right? They're within 1%. But they they downgraded Le Pen by 4% to make out that she was behind Macron, see? It's, it's started already. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what the what the um, voting 
procedures are in France and how many mail-in ballots they can have and how much they check whether the voters uh, can, are actually legally allowed to vote and whatever else that goes on. So I don't know what is, what what that will be. But, I mean, <laughs> if they get all the illegal immigrants in France to vote, they'll all vote MacCod, won't they? Because MacCod's letting them all in and Le Pen says she's going to boot them out. So if they let the illegal immigrants, it's just like America. If they let the illegal immigrants vote, then they're going to vote Macron, aren't they? Now, interesting. Now, now, Carmine, any comments on that? I would tend to think that the cabal is not going to let anybody else win ever again. That's that's a populist. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They don't want a Trump to happen again, do they? <laughs> that was a definite accident. They just got complacent. Le Pen is actually, you know, it's to them worse than Trump. So. Yeah. yeah, they're not going to let that happen again. I have to. social media. I mean, lots of people rely on social media. It's the same in France, isn't it, for election news and whatever. And Twitter and Facebook are going to going to censor anything positive on the pen and censor anything negative on Macron, aren't they? Right. So they'll do it that way as well. There'll be a massive social media disinformation campaign and censorship campaign. Now, wh what do you think would be the effect of Le Pen getting in if if she were to get elected, what would be the effect on the situation with the Ukrainian-Russian war? It'd be a tsunami. It's a tsunami disaster for all the globalists. Le Pen would 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 stop supporting Zelensky. Uh, she, I, I mean, I, I can't remember what what she said, but she she's not going to supply arms to um. To Zelensky, and she'd be another vote in NATO, right? To to ban whatever NATO were trying to do, right? Like supply arms to to Ukraine or whatever. So the the, the global the globalists just cannot allow Le Pen to get in because she'd destroy all their agendas, right? She'd stop all the vax mandates that Matt Connor's got and the vax passes. And the digital IDs that the, the EU are rolling out in July, right? They're going to roll on the back of the VAX passports. They're going to roll out digital IDs for every EU citizen. But in July 2022, that's what they've said they're going to start doing it for. Right? And this is directly back up, up on the back of all the VAX mandates. And the pen won't have any of it. So she would veto that sort of thing, right? Now, I brought the Ukrainian war to transition to Bojo. Bojo was recently in Kiev, right? Boris Johnson went out. Do we know that for sure? Or was it, was it a fake meeting somewhere else with Zelensky? It was all propaganda. I don't know whether it's in Kiev or, or somewhere else, so whether it's in Lvov or whether it's in Poland. I don't know. Do you know? No, not firsthand. But what was the purpose of... Johnson, the 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 story of Johnson being in Ukraine. He's he's trying to make out that he's Winston Churchill war hero, isn't he? It's total jingoistic and propaganda. It's the exact opposite. He's the exact opposite of a of a, a wartime leader. He's a, a complete pathetic, completely pathetic. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything about history. He doesn't know anything about anything. I mean, Winston Churchill, when he retired from being prime minister, 
he, he wrote loads of history books, didn't he? <laughs> history of World War II and history going back, I don't know, to different different things over the last 200 years or whatever. So Winston Churchill did have a good education, did have a good knowledge of history, at least. I mean, if you haven't got a good knowledge of history, how can how can you be a competent leader? You can't be a statesman if you don't know the great how the great statesmen of history operated, can you? How, how can you know? If you don't know about Metternich and whoever else was considered a great statesman, you know, you just so Johnson he just clued us. I mean, he did he 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 did Latin, didn't he, and classics at at university. I mean, that's a really, really, really good grounding, isn't it? <laughs> it's so funny because in America, during the election, when, when Johnson was elected, they were calling him the, the Donald Trump of the UK. Yeah, I know. Well, he's he's definitely turned that on, on its face, hasn't he, with all the stuff that he's been doing. He's, you know, all the lockdowns for, for COVID, all the COVID hoax, pushing all the COVID vaccines. I mean, Trump. Trump has said he he does. He, nobody should be forced to take the vaccine. At least he said that, hasn't he? Nobody should be forced or coerced into taking the vaccine. But I mean, Johnson is coercing people, and they've got the the UK online harms bill is coming up, which basically gives the government carte blanche to to censor anything they don't like or they disagree with on social media. It's it's. The most draconian censorship law ever seen in the West. Now, this is something I've been following. Speaking of draconian censorship uh, and speaking of British politicians, George Galloway used to be on Sputnik over there with his talk show, the Mother of All Talk Shows. And recently, he had to leave Sputnik, correct? I don't know. I didn't hear this. Well... He's, he's, he's complaining about it because on Twitter, it says he's a Russian media oh, yeah. figure. And he says, I'm not. He says, I'm not. He seems to be independent. Yeah. It's just that, just that a Russian station broadcasts his show. But he can do what he likes on his show. Right. Yes. And uh, George Galloway has really... Suffer. I don't know, but but he suffered for his truth telling. Would you agree, Ian? Oh, definitely about the wars and and the, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I was always he's always been been the truth teller on all the, all of the neocon wars and whatever. So I don't know what what he's what he's been saying about Russia and Ukraine war. But I mean, he'll be the opposite of Boris Johnson on that. I should think. And actually, what he's been saying. So uh, I want to be fair to his position. He came out recently and said, this war is so violent and horrible that so many lives are being lost that it needs to get to a negotiated settlement soon. Yeah. He said it needs, it needs to end. And that's a valid position as far as I'm concerned. Uh, not liking yeah. the war and the destruction caused by the war. You know, you can have different opinions about who caused the war, and you can still be against, you can still think that this war was ginned up by the likes of Johnson and the U.S. But, and I think it was, 
but still wants in. They kept, they kept poking the Russian bear until the Russian bear poked back, didn't they? That's what they did. They kept pushing all this NATO expansion, and then and then uh, you know Ukraine potentially joining NATO, and then Zelensky says he wants to develop nuclear weapons, and then they're all plans to do a massive attack on the Donbass. They were all that's why I saw why there's loads of Ukrainian military next to the Donbass because they're all lining up to do a massive attack on it. So Putin invaded to stop that. I mean, Scott Ritter, Scott Ritter actually has been writing some very good articles and very, very dispassionate articles about what's going on. And he says, well, well, Russia can make make a legally a legal justification, a good case, legally justified for invading Ukraine for, because because of an immediate threat to their security. No, right. I agree. Scott's been great on that. And we've had him on the show uh, last week. In fact, Scott Ritter's been an essential voice. And of course, he's banned from Twitter now. Again. Well, no, he was reinstated. They did ban him, but then there was an outcry and then they re reinstated him. And then the last I saw is they banned him again. Oh, are so, they? <laughs> oh, dear. They can't have, they can't have anybody... Doing, doing a logical dissension of their lies, can they? They, because, because their lies are so transparent, transparent and, and easily debunked. If you, if if anybody does a little bit of research and uses some critical analysis and some common sense, they immediately know that all the government are lying and the Ukraine are lying. I mean, there's been about six false flag and hoaxes that I know of in Ukraine. There was the elderly woman outside an apartment building that was wrecked. But the, she was all bandaged and blooded. But the problem with that story was that the apartment building had got destroyed in a gas explosion about three years ago. <laughs> that was a fake. And there was... A, the Mariupol Hospital, which would all the, the Azov Battalion that controlled Mariupol, ordered everybody out, and then they were using it as a firing position and, and as part of their perimeter defences. Right, so there was no doctors, patients, or nurses or anybody else in there. They were just Azov militia. So Russia bombed it. The, the one who was featuring those videos, uh, you saw the interview with her, right? Yeah. The woman was interviewed. One, one she... woman, wasn't there? One woman. They've got pictures of one woman injured. Well, if it was a big... I mean, their hospital just on the one side had about 100 windows on it, and every single window had been blown out by the force of the explosion, right? So if it was real when it was being used as a hospital, there would have been dozens of doctors and nurses and patients and children with flying glass injuries, right? That, that would have made much more of an impact dramatic impact on TV pictures to see, you know, w women with, you know, blood all over their faces and glass sticking out of it, right? Because that, that, you know, if, if, if you shut in 100, 100 windows in a hospital, lots of people are going to get hit by flying glass. It was 5 o'clock in the afternoon or something, you know, so a busy time. It wasn't 2 o'clock in the morning when nobody was walking around or anything. It was busy. Right? And then, then they had the... So, I mean, it's, it's obvious, obvious fake. If they only, only come up with one one girl on a stretcher, one injury, like, where are all the doctors and nurses that are injured then? Right? 
None of them, was there? And when she comes out and says that it was Ukraine who's doing it, when she contradicts the narrative, that should be the top story. But meanwhile, that story gets buried. Now, talk about this social media draconian law. What's this? What's this law? I I've been heard about this. The government. They, they, are, they are pushing through a law where the government can tell any social media company to censor anything that they don't like. Right? So they can order social media companies to censor a certain individual or certain posts or whatever. Right? So anything the government doesn't like, they can pretend, they, they will call it hate speech or, you know, inciting violence or national security interest interest or whatever, they come up with some stupid excuse. But the law basically says the, the government can just order the social media companies to delete anything the government doesn't like. That, that, and, and codified into law. just, just as yeah. yeah, well, it hasn't passed yet. They haven't put it to the vote yet, but they, they're trying to, trying to, they're doing the PR campaign on it. They're trying to say, well, it's for the children. It's, try, it's to stop paedophilia and whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and where, 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 where's all this massive, massive um, operation to to um, prosecute all the paedophiles operating in the UK and the US? Then, because the NSA and GCXQ are, are capturing every single single telecoms transaction, aren't they? Right. So, if they wanted to trap all the paedophiles, they could trace them all because they can they can trace any electronic communication anywhere. Yeah. You know? in the UK and in the US and in Europe and everywhere. So they would easily be able to prosecute hundreds and hundreds of paedophiles or people with child porn or whatever. But they don't do that. It's not, it's not, uh, they could, so they're going to sell it as a, you know, to protect the children from paedophiles and stuff like that. But it's obviously nonsense. Now, are people buying this in England? You say they're trying to sell this. I mean, most most of the people just don't think. They just they just you know, most people just do not think. The BBC tells them something, and they say, "All oh, right." Doesn't matter how stupid or nonsensical it is, they just believe it. So if the BBC says it's a good thing, they'll say, "Oh, that must be a good thing." Right? Most people don't don't bother thinking. Right? But they, I mean, it, when the government when the government can censor anything it doesn't like in the media. That's not a democracy, is it? That's called a totalitarian system. This this is like Soviet Russia in 1920s or 30s, isn't it? Or Germany in the 1930s. <laughs> but that, that, that's the system that they're going to go to. It's the most dangerous thing ever. Right? I mean, free speech has just disappeared. Democracy is thrown out the window. How can how can you have a democracy when the government can can Delete anything it doesn't like, right? So you can't you can't have any political opposition anymore, right? Because they're just banned groups that are that are real opposition, not pretend opposition like the Labour Party, but real opposition. Right. And the Labour Party under Keir Starmer is not at all an opposition party. No, <laughs> he's one hundred percent on board with the globalist agenda. Yes. Yeah. Now, is there? Uh, are you seeing, we're seeing here that in Philadelphia, for instance, they're bringing back the mask mandate now. 
Are you starting to see that in England at all when they're bringing back COVID restrictions? NHS, as there was, there was a thing out just the other day where NHS managers are saying we've got to bring back mask mandates for the health service. Yes, so they're they're pushing it again. They say, you know, they start with the low hanging fruit and then they extend it, don't they? So they'll start with something, something like hospitals or and uh, yeah, enclosed public spaces or something, and then they'll expand it. That's what they did and last I time. Is my memory faulty, or am I, I correct that months? I thought months ago they came out with a scientific study that was this agreed to by the establishment that said masks aren't particularly effective. Didn't they do that? Did did I imagine that? Well, there's been a few, but yeah, every every proper scientific study has concluded that masks don't make any difference. And you can see it. You can see it all over. I mean, Germany has mandated N95 masks indoors everywhere for months. And, and Germany's had horrific infection rates for months. It doesn't stop anything. How can, how can you say it works when you look at Germany? Or South Korea, right? It's South Korea, 98% mask compliance. So everybody wears masks everywhere in South Korea. Uh, and South Korea has had the worst per capita infection rates for months, lately, for the last two or three months. Fantastic appearance, Ian Schilling. We're out of time. So great to have you on. When we come back, we'll have more with Carmen Sabia on a Carmen Monday here on Backstory. from the Empire of Lies. It's time for the second hour today of a Monday, Carmine Monday edition of a show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. It's the backstory. And thanks to Ian Schilling, another fantastic high energy appearance from Ian. And well, coming up to this hour, what, what are you saying, Carmine? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I say, coming up this hour, we've got Minimal Chan. Now, what are you going to say? I mean, don't you feel like we should talk about Lord Pickles? That sounds dirty when you say it. That's all I know. <laughs> Hit it, Ian. I believe the Carmine. This is Lord Pickles and the backstory. Yes, the Carmine. Let me ask you something we don't do nearly enough on the show. Pimp yourself. Let me explain. Uh, tell people where they can find your stuff. Absolutely. So If they can't get enough Carmine. If you can't get enough of me, and who can really, uh, check out Viral Patriot on Facebook. That's my page. Also, you can read me at conservativebrief.com, and you can find me on all your platforms at Carmine Sabia. Got the little blue check mark so you know it's really me and not one of those Carmine imposters that's been going around lately. Now, Carmine, let me ask you as a, a working media professional, is that true? Can we go with that? 
Is that what I do? Sure. Sure. Uh, what social media platforms, I'm asking people this slightly, be specific. What do you like and what are you moving away from? Honestly, um, I just try to play within the rules. Um, you know, Facebook and Twitter is still where the money's at. I have no use for YouTube at all. Um, I think YouTube is of all the, of all the, the people crushing free speech. I think YouTube is actually the worst and it doesn't really get as much attention as Facebook and Twitter, but nobody really crushes free speech quite the way YouTube does. Um, so that's, that's, I, I tend to gravitate more towards Twitter because I do believe we get a fairer shake on Twitter. And it's not fair shake, but a fairer shake on Twitter. And now with Elon in the mix and all that that's going on, although he's on the board now because they tried to limit how much stock he could buy. But, you know, with Elon there, you figure he's got some kind of plan. And I just feel like Twitter is going to be the, the best place right now. You know, my, this dog never barks unless I'm on the radio with you, I think. Um, that's funny. And it, dude, it's, oh, there's a dog barking outside. Okay. So now they're, they're talking to each other. Hey, are you a dog? Yeah, I'm a dog too. But <laughs> I tend to gravitate more towards Twitter. Facebook, of course, is nice to talk to your family and play some games and, and whatnot. And of course, I post my stories on there, but uh, I, I'm definitely more active on Twitter. What do you think of the, the truth, the Trump platform? Uh, man, I tried it for like five minutes, and uh, the truth is, I think it's actually just a data collection. Uh, <laughs> doesn't seem to be much activity there. Yeah, and the problem, unfortunately, is like Twitter, the technology, you could replicate it. It's not that hard Correct. to replicate the technology, but what you can replicate is the audience, and furthermore, the diverse audience. Unless you're going to get Justin Bieber and Katy Perry and all these people to join Truth, you know what I'm saying? That, that's your that's your issue, which you'll never get. Correct. So you're just preaching to the choir there. Well, what what hurt them, Lee? Also, just real quick, what 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 hurt them is the launch got got fumbled, man. What? They fumbled the launch of the thing too. That didn't help. Oh yeah. You mean the fact that there's a waiting list to get. Once you got on the platform, it was you. It was days before you could do anything. Correct. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and that hurt them big time. That hurt them big time. Yeah, and that was weird. I didn't understand why it took days before you could post on their platform. And Trump doesn't even promote the thing. Trump doesn't even promote it. Yeah, it's very weird. Let's go to call 202-521-1320. David in New York, what is on your mind? Uh, hi, yes. I just wanted to make a comment about uh, there's a, an opinion that I've heard. Uh, I heard it from multiple sources, including some Sputnik shows, that if, if Trump had been the president, uh, this war would never have happened. But let's take a look at, at something Trump said a week ago, which is really scary if, if, if he for, if, for the case where he might have been president. A week ago, Trump called for, actually, uh, it's, it's reported, you can, you can Google it, okay? He, he, he called for threatening Russia with nuclear subs close to Russia. That's crazy. So if, if people think Biden is bad, uh, you know, and he is bad, 
But come on, Trump, Trump's a, a potential lunatic. He, he made that statement. And Trump also had Mike Pompeo in as Secretary of State until the bitter end. And Pompeo is as bad as anyone in D.C. on those issues. So I, I made the statement, I think on a number of issues, Trump is very far away from his base on COVID-19 and on the war. And Trump is not close to his base. He does not represent the views of the base. Carmine, do you agree? That who doesn't represent the views of the base? Trump. On a uh, number of issues. Well, I mean, he, he just endorsed Dr. Oz, who doesn't agree with us on some major issues. Yeah, I thought that was weird. He's anti-gun. He's pro-trans. Yeah. And why, why did... What was... I think it's moves like that. Like Trump endorsing Dr. Oz makes no sense to me whatsoever. Do you understand it at all? Did he justify it at all? No, he hasn't. And the way I see it, it's like, well, one reality star endorsing another reality star. Right. And and not one of the good ones. Dr. Oz claims to be a Republican, but he's a Northeast Republican, which is not really No, and and a lot of a lot of Trump fans immediately go, What what? Why is he doing that? And I think on COVID, Trump is not where the base is. The base wants someone who's going to come out against mandates solidly and against, in fact, the vaccine. Do you agree with that? I'm not saying it's a right or wrong position. I'm saying most of the base is the Trump base the MAGA base is vaccine skeptical at very least. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm not, but yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pro know that I'm pro vaccine. And I think a lot of the base is so far off the other side of this thing that, that they're letting themselves be killed. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I remember you saying that there's a, I, I see a number of places where Trump has Trump has officially announced, sort of, kind of, at CPAC, is a soft official announcement. He said he's running, but Trump has not kicked off his campaign yet. Now, uh, I see where there could be trouble. I I think I agree with the people saying it's if it's if Trump announces and starts running. He's going to win a nomination. I don't see anyone now who can beat Trump. And I don't see anyone who can either, who can credibly challenge him. I don't see that person. Here's my, here's my issue is. Yeah. I agree with you, but can he win a national election, man? I I don't know. Now, what do you think would the, the anti-Trump, uh, because he's, he's one of those, he can rightfully say, based on the Hunter Biden laptop stuff, that the election was stolen from him. He can rightfully say the press was so biased and social media was so biased against him 
that they did not reveal the truth and that he was right about the Hunter Biden laptop. And I think that works in his favor. Here's the issue, though, okay? People are tired of hearing about it. The election's over. And if he if he goes on the 2024 campaign trail talking about the 2020 election, he loses. Joe Biden has messed up so bad. The Democrats have messed up so bad. I could win this next election, okay? And if he chooses to go, will you stop, please? If he chooses to go down that road, I guess he won't stop. If he chooses to go down that road, dude, he's in a lot of trouble. He's in a lot of trouble, in my opinion. No, I agree with you. I think that you you have to run on Biden's record. Don't uh, uh, don't run on the election. But where do you think? Well, let me ask you this too. Uh, it's a change direction. What what issues are you looking at? Do you think are the most important today in the news? Come on. If the lockdowns, if they happen again, Ukraine is is obviously the biggest issue in the news. Um, in fact, Ukraine is probably the main issue. I think that that's uh, you know, but of course, that's that's internationally. But here at home, what's going to actually win the votes? Is talking about inflation and gas prices, the price of groceries. These are the things that the people right now, that's what's hurt. Ukraine's not hurting our pocketbook. And, and, you know, they're pushing this this hashtag on Twitter, Putin price hike. My foot, we had inflation before Putin even looked at Ukraine. So, you know, it's, man, it's just, you know what? And I'm not going to sit here and sound like a Putin apologist. There's a lot of things Putin does that I disagree with. And I'm not going to sit here because I'm on Sputnik. And pretend that I'm a Putin fan, or you know, I'm rah rah Putin. I also don't think he's the devil. And there is just a thing right now with the Democrat Party of the United States that man, every single thing you could think of is Putin. I'm getting ready for them to blame Putin for the Hindenburg at this point. No, and they can't, they can't avoid it. I'll put it like this: they've been so used to blaming RussiaGate was about Putin. It was not about Trump. It was about Trump too, peripherally. But I said at the time that Russiagate was about Putin. And they're so in that mode of blaming him on everything that they can't see anything objective. And, And like someone said earlier, people, a lot of people, when they see stuff, if you were to bring up the Azov Battalion with certain people, they would say it's propaganda. Have you noticed that, Carmine? Yes, but I was talking about it before there was a war. Yeah, and clearly that's true. Clearly, the Azov Battalion is, is a thing. It's real. And you can see, however you slice it, the Nazi connections they're a Nazi influence, I don't know how to put it, group. But if you bring that up with some people, they don't want to hear anything. You show them a picture of them with swastikas, you show them with World War II memorabilia, they say, 
that picture is Russian propaganda. And you go, well, how? It's a picture. They posted it. How is that propaganda? Then they just move on from the argument. They just repeat that's Russian propaganda and get very emotional. Very emotional. Well, I'm, I, I don't know if you follow how much you follow my page. I'm called a Putin, uh, you know, a puppet, Russian puppet, Kremlin puppet every day. No, and and it it is wacky, and it's so dumb. The whole Putin puppet thing. What does that mean? You know, a lot of this is a defense establishment. That Putin puppet. Here's what the argument essentially comes down to. A Putin puppet means. So, for instance, they will say it doesn't matter if it's the truth, because. The idea that the Azov Italian is a Nazi group, even if it's true, it benefits Putin to point out that Azov is Nazi. And because it benefits Putin, they want to ignore the truth. Well, that's dumb. And, and it's the constant argument this is what they do. They redefined. I noticed this during the, the Russiagate, where they started defining Russian disinformation. You'd think, wouldn't you think, Carmine, that disinformation would have to be false? You'd well, assume that, right? Of course. No, that's not what it means. Russian disinformation according to the definition, is something that, that quote-unquote, benefits Putin. In other words, makes the case that Putin isn't wrong about something. That's Russian disinformation. It's no longer tied into the idea that's true or not true. Now, what's the most irritating thing that you find in arguing with people about the war. Well, don't forget too, uh, just real quick, the, the, the complete true laptop was Russian disinformation. You know, so, um, you know, I'm not hardcore on one side or the other with the, uh, with the war. I'm not pro-Ukraine, I'm not pro-Russia, I'm anti-war. Um, but anytime I point out, you know, basically that Putin's not, you know, the epitome of evil on earth, you know, it's just, it, it gets very annoying to have to keep fighting that fight. Because as soon as you say anything that, that doesn't make Putin the horrible monster, then you're part of Russian propaganda. You're part of, you're a Putin puppet. You're a Kremlin puppet. Oh, how much is Putin paying you? I've gotten no checks from Putin. Well, I understand is pretty wealthy. I mean, if he wants to send me some money, I'll take the money. But, you know, Putin, if you're listening, my address, man, send me a check. But no, I'd probably be in the, they probably have me in Gitmo after that. But in fairness, like, you know, the hardest part, oh boy, holy crow, could you imagine? We're getting the direct deposit. They shut all your accounts down in 10 seconds. But people think we're getting paid by them. So, you know, 
the hardest part is trying to break through to what I call walnut heads. You know, they watch their TV, they're fed their information. That's the information they now go into the world with. And they believe they do no research of their own. This is, by the way, and I would say anybody listening to this show has gone out of their way to do their own research because you're not just going to find us, you know, flipping through your TV station. Okay. But most of the people that you're, I'm talking to the listeners now, most of the people that you know in life, the extent of the information they get, if they get any, if they're not watching reality TV, putting nonsense into their minds all day long with, with, with BS TV shows, if they do watch some news to, quote, educate themselves, they're getting the same message on every major cable network, every network, Fox included, every major cable network, every network on television, every late night comedian, every talk show, Every daytime show, it's the same information. 95% of your people, that's going to be the extent of their research. They are not going to hit the internet. They're not going to go to a library if they still exist. They're not going to do any of this stuff to actually research things for themselves and find out truth, no matter how many times. And Lee, you and I both know there's a long story in history of both the government and the media lying to people, no matter how many times they're caught, people will still continue to believe them blindly. Yes, it's stunning. Because there's, it's not hard to research this. It's not hard to find proof. Everybody knows about the WNDs, for instance. Everybody knows about it, but they just ignore it. Yeah, ask. By the way, people in your life, Ask how many people in your life even know what the Gulf of Tonkin was. Do you realize how many Americans, tens of thousands of Americans, died over a lie? This should be the biggest scandal in history, and yet I don't think it's taught in schools. You never hear about it on TV. We got into Vietnam, where so many people, that your uncles and, and grandfathers, were killed. Their lives irreparably changed if they weren't killed over a damn lie. And nobody even talks about this. No, great point. Let's go to the phones. 202-521-1320. Peter in Chicago. What's on your mind? Hi, Lee. I'm glad you're good and you're back. One thing I want to say, especially about that armament uh, supply to Ukraine, the only thing they forget to put is those old Nazi and German symbols, especially in those you know, tanks, I can see, they try to refurbish and send the old Leopard 1 tanks. And I'm looking at the picture, the only thing is a German cross missing on it. That's crazy. Oh, good, good point. Thanks for the call, Peter. He's right. Now, Carmine, in, in the last few minutes here, let me point out that I saw the Jesse Gay... I hate to call it that, but that's what it's known by. That legislation they passed in Florida. Yeah. That they're calling just say gay, which is a don't, lie. Don't say a number gay. of states what? have that and this shows me how how deep the propaganda is. What do you think of that controversy? I mean it's it, it's ridiculous to call it the don't say gay bill when it doesn't say that in there. What they're saying is don't teach sexuality. And I can't believe 
on Twitter, when I talk about this, I'm getting pushback. I actually want to take it a little further. I want to get personal with you for a second. I'm not going to say exactly who, but there's a member of my family, 11 years old, in school, being asked about what her gender pronouns are and that she should start conversations with people asking them their gender pronouns first. And that, you know, sometimes boys can be, you know, girls and girls can be boys. And then teaching them about the different body parts that a boy has and the different body parts that a girl has. I didn't know what body parts a girl had till I was like in sixth grade, dude. And I saw a Playboy I'm for the so first sure. <laughs> and I saw a Playboy for the first time. I don't want 11-year-olds in my family being taught this. I told my family member, whose daughter this is, pull her out of that school. I said, I will pay, I'll pay for private school. Out of it. You know, private school is expensive. I'll pay for it. Send these kids to private school. I don't want, this is, this is insanity to me. This is insanity that we have normalized teaching sex to children, Lee, children that we have normalized this to the point where a bill that says, Hey, don't teach sex to children below third grade, which means in fourth grade, which I still think is too young, you can have this conversation with children. And that is controversial. And the fact that I get pushback when I talk about this, I, I sit here and I say, what happened to the world? Now, I am not going to sit here and say I'm, you know, anti, you know, homosexual, this or that. But, but Lee, we were fine with civil unions, okay? They had to push for it to be called marriage. And what we said back then was it's a slippery slope. Well, that slope got really slippery really quick, just like we predicted it would. And now we're into debauchery. I heard somebody say the other day, you know, you can't use the term pedophile. It's now a map, a minor attracted person. Really? Is that what it is? Because I care about the feelings of a pedophile. I mean, we're normalizing stuff, Lee, that it's, it's terrifying to me. Terrifying. Well, it's it shows, you know, you're brave for the gender pronoun issue. There's nothing dirty about the gender pronoun issue. In right. other words, some of the stuff is saying, don't talk about certain sex acts with minors, and that that is dirty. What, what I mean by that is dealing with explicit sexual content, and that does happen. But there's nothing, the gender pronouns is much more subtle. But it opens the door. It opens the door to the rest of it because, well, why would I call a girl, you know, a boy? Well, because they might have these parts, but they really consider themselves. It opens the door to that conversation, man. Well, th that's that's what I was going to say. It it the gender pronoun issue involves something stupid and confusing. Trying to explain to an eleven year old why you should ask. Have let me, Carmine. Let me get personal with you. Have you ever asked somebody's gender pronoun? Never. I don't care. I don't care what your pronoun is. I see you. I'll call you he or she by looking at you. If I offend you, then don't talk to me. Because here's the thing, Lee. You can believe in whatever delusion you want. It's a free country. Okay? What you can't do is force me to play along with your mental delusion. Right. And I feel about it. So when we come back... Manila Chan, the great Manila Chan will be joining us 
It is Carmine Monday. Carmine Sapiens with us on a Monday edition of The Backstory. FM, AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. This is the backstory at Carmine Monday. Carmine Sabia joining us as our special guest, co-host for Monday. And joining us online, Manila Chan, reporter, analyst. Hey, Manila, how you doing? Hello, Lee, and hello, Carmine. Lee, I'm so happy to hear you back on. I've been rooting for you, buddy. Thanks very much. It's it, it. I've had so much support from people. It's been very moving uh, to me, the amount of support I've had. So thanks a lot. Now, Manila, we've been talking about the supposedly don't say gay bill in Florida, but a lot of stuff, a constant topic, on this show, I think our issues are revolve around weaponizing language. And it turns out George Orwell was extremely prescient. You know, when George Orwell said in 1984, they they had the freedom is, uh, freedom of slavery, war is peace, and they showed how by weaponizing language, and you of course, as a newswoman, language is your bread and butter. What are you seeing at, is using language as a weapon, Manel? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I think to echo Orwell, language has always been a weapon. Um, I think where we are presently at, though, um, is that before it was weaponized once upon a time by by politicos and those here in Washington, um, obviously to to spin whatever information they needed to gin up support, let's say, for a war. Nowadays, capable in our society where we have taught everybody, and, and those in the media as well, because those in the media have propagated this sort of um, way of thinking, I would say, for the last 20 years, where it's PC culture run amok. On TV. So it's been propagated there and it's trickled down now for a full generation. So we now have a generation of young people, as you guys were talking about uh, just before the break, is that now people are offended if you accidentally, you know, call them the wrong gender or the wrong whatever, sir, ma'am, mister, whatever it may be, people are offended. So not only is, is, language weaponized, but it, it's now used as as an everyday person's um, tool of division to separate into tribes. And it's like, you know, if you use masks to decide, uh, you know, who is a lefty or a righty because of COVID, the same can be said for language. And if somebody doesn't want to introduce themselves with, hi, my name is Manila Chan. My pronouns are she, her, ma'am, be a conservative. So it's really sad to me that we're 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 here 
they want it to become normalized to start your conversations exactly how she just said. And that's, we have to fight that. You know, they, they do that new normal. By the way, new normal is also part of the vernacular now. It's the new normal. No, no, that, that's not normal. There is no new normal. Normal is normal. <laughs> no, no, it, it's a good point because you can see where th there are trans people who, if you call Bruce Jenner he on purpose, that you're kind of being a jerk. That's right. Do you agree with me? Yeah, absolutely. But to change. I, I agree. To change our entire language for less than 1% of the population is insane. Yeah. And, and to ask if, if you call Manila a, a girl, are you she to describe her? And she gets pissed off that you didn't ask first. She wouldn't do it, but some liberals do. You know what I'm saying, Mel? That's the point it's gotten to now. Now you have to check first, and that's offensive to me. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> don't give in to this nonsense. Yeah, I still don't. I mean, I, I sometimes you see people that you're, you know, not clear if they're presenting as masculine or feminine or I guess they call it non-binary these days. But I just ask them their name. I don't care what your pronoun is. And and if you make it a point to tell me, then clearly that's important to you. And I, I don't want to offend anybody if I can avoid it. Uh, but I'm not going to, you know, open my conversation with introducing myself with my pronouns. But if you're the person that does, fine, that's fine. I'll address you as your name is Carmine. Your name is Lee. I'll just address you by your name. I mean, I wouldn't, I would seldom address somebody in third person with a pronoun anyway. So. Right. No, I, I agree. And when in doubt, I think go with dude in address. It's not an official pronoun. <laughs> My pronouns are super and awesome. Well, you, you know what I, I, you know what I take issue? You know what I take issue with guys, since I'm the only woman on this panel right now, biological woman, I will say this, that when I remember all of this, all of this stuff coming to the forefront for me a couple of years back. Do you guys remember um, the person that was dubbed the GameStop? It was this big dude. OK, look, I, sorry if GameStop, ma'am, if you go by, you know, a pronoun that's female. But for all intents and purposes, this is a big like six foot. 230 pound dude with shaggy hair and he was wearing red lipstick and a pink hoodie and he got all in the face of the worker of the GameStop place and this is before the whole GameStop you know trading debacle on Robin Hood happened but long before that GameStop was back in the news because of the GameStop ma'am and this person insisted over and over yelling at the GameStop worker to call him ma'am. It's ma'am. What I took issue with with that was that the GameStop ma'am was so offended that the GameStop person kept saying, sir, trying to ask the person to leave because they were, you know, making a scene, is that that GameStop ma'am is was so offended that the GameStop person didn't refer to them in the proper pronoun 
because they were wearing and and she in air quotes made it a point to say she was wearing a pink sweater and wearing lipstick. So what GameStop ma'am has reduced my gender, my entire being as a woman to being is what all you have to do is put on a pink sweater and wear red lipstick. And now you're a woman that being a woman consists of way more than that. It is my whole life. It is the half, half the population. We've had a whole completely different lived experience from the day we were born. And to reduce us to being a pink sweater and red lipstick, I think is incredibly insulting to 50% of the population. But I think you have to admit that that ma'am could beat you in swimming, Manila. Oh, gosh. That, that ma'am could probably beat me in gaming, too. But <laughs> well, I also, I also hate the term lived experience, actually. I, I, I just, it, these, these language things irk me so much. Lived experience, this is like a new thing now. It's my lived experience. Well, yeah, everybody, everybody's alive and everybody's had experiences. It, stop it. It's your lived experience is called your perspective. It's just your perspective. Why are we inventing things? I didn't think that was an invented term. I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, just what you have lived, what you have experienced is different than what I have lived and what I've experienced. And solely for the fact that you present your, I haven't seen you, but you present, I'm sure as a male and I present as a female. So the way you've lived the world is different than how I've lived it. So I think whoever coined that term makes sense. I just, I just hate, I'm a conservative, so I hate new things, but um, that's, it's, I, I kind of put it with the whole thing of my truth. It's my truth. No, the truth is truth. You don't get your own. You don't get your separate truth. Hey, I saw that guy rob the bank. I can get with you. I can get with you on that one. My truth is that he didn't rob the bank. He was going for a leisurely jog. That's not the truth. We were talking about the Joe Biden. Because I think this, it, I think it's it's like that point, you know, with a tidal wave or something like that, where when the sea goes out, you can tell there's going to be trouble. It's the calm before the storm. With the Joe Biden and the Hunter Biden laptop story, I think we're in the quiet before the storm. Every this story is going to hit with Avengers. And someone pointed out, when the Washington Post started running stories on the Biden laptop, they ran two major stories within four minutes of each other. They don't do that. That's not normal. The media knows that this is going to hit in a big way. But a lot of the media is still in denial about it. So let's play a clip of a student actually doing a job that journalists theoretically should be doing. Let's play the clip. So I'm a first year at the college. Uh, my question is for Mr. Seltzer. Uh, you've all spoken extensively about Fox News being a purveyor of uh, disinformation, uh, but CNN is right up there with them. They pushed the Russian collusion hoax. They pushed the Jussie Smollett hoax. They smeared Justice Kavanaugh as a rapist, and they also smeared Nick Sandman as a white supremacist. And yes, they dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop affair as pure Russian disinformation. Uh, with mainstream corporate journalists, because Coming little more than uh, apologists and cheerleaders for the regime. 
Is it time to finally declare that the, uh, the canon of journalistic ethics is dead or no longer operative? Uh, all the mistakes of the mainstream media and CNN in particular seem to magically all go in one direction. Are we expected to believe that this is all just some sort of random coincidence or is there something else behind it? It's too bad. It's time for lunch. Uh, you have 30 seconds. No, I mean, right. there's, a, there's a clock that says 30 seconds. But, but I think my honest answer to you, and I will, I'll come over and talk in more detail after this, is that I think you're describing a different channel than the one that I watch. Uh, but I understand that that is a popular right-wing narrative about CNN. I think it's important when we talk about shared reality and democracy, all these networks, all these news outlets have to defend democracy. And when they screw up, admit it. Uh, but when Benjamin Hall, the Fox correspondent, was wounded in Ukraine, the news crews at CNN and the New York Times stopped what they were doing, and they tried to help. They tried to help him get out of the country. They tried to find the dead crew members. That's what news outlets do. That's how they actually do work together to your question. Now, I'm going to say that as a teacher of journalism, I would rate his question an A, and I would rate Giant Seltzer's response an F. And the reason I gave it an A is because he gave numerous specific examples. He didn't just say, you guys are seeing it lie. He pointed out exactly what the stories were. And he gave numerous examples. And then for Seltzer to go, well, you're watching a different network. No, I watched a network that said the Hunter Biden story was a hoax. I watched a network that called... Nick Simon, uh, a racist. I watched the network, and he goes through all the examples. But Manila, do you agree that he he asked a very specific question, which Shelter just flat didn't ignore and didn't answer. He ignored it. Manila. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm with you on I'm with you on that, Lee. I, you know, let me put my bona fides out there. I was a TA in English class. So <laughs> I will say I, I would give that kid an A as well. He was spot on. He was very specific. And then Brian Stelter and Carmine, this is for you. He had, Brian Stelter had a whole different lived experience at CNN than the rest of us. Uh, because No, that's a, that, that's a good point because that is what he was saying. That is what he was saying. Yeah, yeah as you pointed out, Lee. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Manel. Yeah, as you pointed out, Lee, um, the kid pointed out all these different big major stories that were either downplayed or spun in a completely different direction by CNN. I mean, he take, for example, the Hunter Biden laptop story, which, by the way, the bulk of the media has largely ignored, um, save for, you know, maybe Tucker Carlson on Fox and and you, Lee, and maybe some of the other folks on Sputnik. But that was it was completely true. And, and CNN spun it the other way and literally tried to pin it on the Russians, that the Russians made this up. That the, I mean, what what ills CNN not point, you know, that go wrong in America, not point Russia? Can I mean, is everything blamed on Russia, even Hunter Biden's laptop? I mean, that was uh, uh, you know, CNN, I remember seeing it on mul a multitude of shows across the network that it was a Russian plant, that this laptop was fake, or maybe they, in, you know, they hacked into it and put this stuff in there. No, man, 
this actually happened. Hunter Biden left it there. That was all kinds of dirty pornography of, you know, homemade porn and all kinds of dirty business dealings. That's all real. Uh, I watched the Brett Kavanaugh uh, confirmation hearings across all different networks because I wanted to see how they were covering it. And by God, that kid was spot on. The way CNN covered it was cheerleading. Um, oh, gosh, Christine Blasey Ford. That's her name. Cheerleading her, you know, believe all women. But yet, if and when she ever spoke to the press, she still couldn't bring up one confirmable, verifiable detail of the incident. That is not journalism. He's right about he's right about the whole Blase Ford thing and in the fact that to this day people just parrot the line, she was credible. She was credible. Well, what about her was credible? She was credible. Okay. Specifically, what was credible? She provided no documentation, no evidence, not a single witness. What was credible about this woman? That she once went to the same pool? And another point that the student brought up there was Russiagate. Duh. Russiagate is now acknowledged to be false information. And false information coming from the Democrats. And I thought one of the best points the student made, I thought it was framed perfectly. He's, he went through, he gave a lot of specific examples. Then he pointed out that they all run in one direction. It's not like they occasionally agree with Trump. You know, they always fall on the side of the Democrat narrative. And I thought that was a valid point. And Stedler uh, ignored the question. He ignored every example. And you're right. Carmine, it's probably why he hates, he acted as though, well, my experience, and look, we're, we're nice to each other when a, a correspondent is, is injured, Fox and CNN get along. No, it was such a non-answer. Hey, and by the way, when that reporter got injured, that that wasn't the question, dude. Right. That's exactly right. And he gave him plenty of examples, and he didn't address one of them. But this is a problem. Like, those reporters never get the follow-up question. They never get the moderator. This is at some journalistic forum. The moderator never jumps in and says, why don't you answer the young man's question? Brian, we know we know reporters are nice to each other when there's tragedies sometimes. We all know that. Now answer the question the young man asked you. Right? You've never seen that. Manel? Yeah, I, I think not only did Brian Stelter dodge the kid's question entirely and and really just answered in a, in a horrible fashion. But for CNN, if if anyone is listening out there from the company and I know they've you know got this the new 
uh, boss there. And I, I guess they're reforming everything and all the new media mergers and acquisitions and whatever that's happening. I hope if somebody out there is listening, the best thing to do is number one, return to the basics of journalism. I mean, and, and, and gosh, maybe it's that I went to school back in the day when they really did actually care about sticking to ethics and and not cheerleading one side or the other. And maybe we've crossed the Rubicon with that, but but that should be rule number one. Stick stick to basic journalism and don't cheerlead for an outcome, right? That's the basic principle number one of journalism. And number two, if you get it wrong, mea culpa, say it. Say, you know what? We reported this yesterday, X, Y, Z. We got wrong. We apologize. Let's clear the record. Here's the correct information. I think you would go, it would go a long way to rebuild CNN's credibility. And that goes for, I think, any, any media outlet out there, really. If you get it wrong, I mean, for God's sake, the New York Times used to be the paper of record. And now they've fallen into that same pool that CNN has fallen into. You know, the most trusted name in news. That ain't the case anymore. That was the 20th century. In the 21st century, people have to go searching around all over the interwebs to find a shred of truth anywhere because everybody has got some bent and some kind of motivation and are cheerleading one side and bashing the other. There is no place you can go anymore because the few places that were allowed to publish and say things about both sides of the aisle, such as RT America, have been taken off the airwaves. So Americans know that now. So the best thing for CNN to do now that they have, you know, kind of shown their butts is to just issue mea culpas and go back to old school journalism and stop cheerleading and stop bashing. But since they're not going to do that, Manuel, let me follow up with a question for you. That I get asked all the time, and I'm serious, because the odds of that happening are low. But what do you do? How do you operate so you can get the truth for yourself? And then come on, you can answer the same question. How do you determine the truth in uh, a, a dishonest media environment? You know? I follow the money. I look to see who's funding this report, who, you know, whose business dealings are tied to who. And I look to see, I mean, it's, it's a long process, um, but as a journalist with at least a, sh I like to think a shred of ethics left in this world, I follow where the source of the money comes from and why I'm, what I'm reading, where it comes from, who funded it, and what are their motivations behind, you know, X, Y, Z story. And it's not an easy task. And most people are not going to take those extra three or four steps to source where that information is coming from. But that is really the only way you can figure out if what you're reading or what you're seeing has not been tainted by money somewhere down the line. It's the only way. Carmine, what do you do? I try to look for as many various news sources as I can try and find out. I try to look for citizen journalists that are on the ground in certain places. and. Uh, and yeah, follow the money as well, because that plays a large part. Of it. That's what Elon Musk was saying about Twitter. He said, I want it to be ad free because when it's ad free, then no corporations or, 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 you know, big shots can dictate 
what we cover and what we bury here. And that's that's a big deal. So she's right about the follow the money trail. No, and I agree with you. When you talk about multiple sources, for instance, I can usually figure out the truth about things by reading two sides and understanding their spin going in. I, I and and I, what I find, I have a good rule, and it sounds pithy, but I say, listen very carefully to what they aren't telling you, because I've noticed the media's main trick is not reporting things. Well, have you ever seen Lee? Can you believe the Republicans voted against? I don't know. Let's just say uh, money for 9/11 victims. They don't tell you the other 97 things that were in that bill that were actually being voted against. They point out the one thing, ah, oh, there's money for 9-11 victims, and the Republicans do this too. They always tell you that they, they just stick that one thing in there that they can say, aha, you voted against that. When in reality, they're voting against a lot of other stuff, not that thing, and both sides do it, and then the media helps play it up. Whether you're watching Fox or CNN or MSNBC, they pick a side. It's it's sad that more people don't go out and, uh, as our guests said, do their own research and follow the money and and find out what's true. But it's hard because, first off, you have to do a lot of you know we're we're lucky in the sense that we get to do this for a living. But most people can't devote the time. Someone asked me that my one of my physical therapists asked me how do you determine the truth about and people are aware of it. People are aware that it's a lot of work. To get to the truth, and current uh, a minute in the last minute or two, who are reporters who you like? Who do you who do you read? Um, I read stuff from the Gray Zone, which I think does a lot of fair and hard hitting reports. Which is Max Blumenthal, uh, buddy of mine, including uh, Alex Rubenstein out there, um, and oof. I'm hard pressed to find people in the mainstream that I could mention any names of off the top of my head uh, because I've I've kind of all lost respect for most of these people. Um, I really can't think of anybody. I mean, these are are smaller um, independent news outlets. Richard Medhurst. Carmine, do you have anyone you like? Yeah, my website, conservativebrief.com. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from that, yeah, not really, man. I mean, I I, I look at RT, you know. I look at RT a lot. Well, Manila, great, great appearance. Thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. We're out of time, and fantastic guest hosting, co-hosting by Carmine Sabia. We'll be back tomorrow with more on the backstory. Mm-hmm.